So if you don't know, we wanted to change it up a bit here in season three. First of all, you may remember Pam from a few episodes last season. So she's now part of the team that will frequently come on as a co-host. We wanted to be substituting our co-hosts in and out. First of all, not to overcrowd your ears with too many voices, but also to allow our co-host thoughts to come through a lot stronger because quite often when you have too many people on a podcast, it can, you know, not everybody can get their, their points across very clearly. So Pam is on with us today for the first time of season three, and she runs the Children's Equipping Center here in Winnipeg. There was a season where the kids actually took the lead in our main prayer room. We thought it would be good to talk about this season in hopes that we can encounter the value the Lord places on having children in the prayer room. And perhaps it can even spark some ideas for other praying communities and churches out there to get their children more involved in their prayer rooms. This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations and share the stories to encourage you and strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Pam. And today we are joined by Eli, who was actually on a previous episode in the first season. Do you remember what that episode was about? That was already a year and a half ago. That was, that episode was on being raised in the sanctuary. So you were actually born the the day after shop, like Sanctuary House of Prayer started. Anyway, yeah. welcome to the show today. We are going to have you on because you were part of this family intercession set that we had years ago in our House of Prayer. We haven't done it in a while because there's not too many children in our prayer room anymore. And Pam, you you were leading the Children's Equipping Center at the time, so it's great that you were on today and that you're also going to be one of our regular hosts, but it's just great to have you on today for this episode. Jehu, do you remember that time of having family intercession sets? I actually was the sound person during those family intercession sets, and I I loved them. I remember specifically Eli. I'm sure there were other children there, but Eli was the one who was often leading the sets. And so it was so cool to see someone young and passionate for Jesus, just up on the mic, leading the whole room in in worship and in intercession. Uh, I, I always got excited for the family intercession sets. They felt just alive and vibrant. And so I'm so happy that you're on the podcast with us, Eli, because from my perspective in the room, having you there was such an asset, giving you as as a child, as a young person, voice and leadership. And I I was just inspired. I thought it was so cool. Like, I don't remember. Do you remember what it was like? Like, I'm sure there was some anxiety and fear, but hopefully there was some excitement and passion. What was it like prayer leading? I don't remember too much because it was quite a while ago, but you would start off in the basement. We'd we'd have our cards with our prayers ready. We'd go up in a single file line and we'd take turns praying at the mic. I would hand the mic to the others and I guess I led the prayer. And look at you now. Now you're actually in the adult prayer meetings. You're you're probably at almost every prayer meeting that we have in, in our facility, and you're up there praying just like anyone else would yeah. as a 14-year-old. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, you've kind of graduated from the kids prayer meeting and now you're at the adult prayer meeting, but it was nice to have the kids prayer meeting in the same room with the adults. And so it made the transition, at least I think a little easier for you that way, because you had already prayed in front of everyone before. But just to go back to that point, you were saying you had your prayers written on cards. So were the kids who were going up, were they just making it up on the spot or did you have kind of prepackaged prayers? How was that working? Um, some kids who were more confident would, you know, they'd have a full blown, like two, three sentences down and the other kids would just say, you know, Jesus press through or something basic like that, but it still had so much power to it. But, and so did you write them out then ahead of time, like that day or what happened? Pam, I don't know if you want to jump in. How did this whole logistics work? Well, I remember most of the time we had what we called a run sheet and we would send it to the parents ahead of time. And then some of it was fill in the blanks, like they could choose who they wanted to pray for, what country or what school or their friends or family members, that kind of thing. We used the apostolic prayers as our base prayers and then they could either say the things that I wrote out simply from those prayers or they could, like Eli said, write out or just say from their heart whatever they wanted to pray to the Lord. So it was a little bit of a mix of both, but it was prepared ahead of time with their parents at home and then they would come on Sunday and do it with us. Did you find that helped alleviate some of the nervousness and anxiety that comes from being in front of a crowd and on the mic? I mean, Eli might have a better answer, but I... I believe so. I think like, especially when they were little and they were a bit shy, some of them, they just wanted the confidence of knowing they could read it. And they were also learning like, you know, you don't send kids out to the football field and have a full blown game of football. They do the little scrimmages and the line drills. Right. And so and then they eventually play football. And now Eli is doing the same thing. Now he's in the adult prayer room doing the adult things, even as a 14 year old. But when they're five, you know, you don't send them up there and go, okay, kid, go for it. <laughs> like it, I think it did help their confidence to be able to write them down and then go from their heart if they felt confident to do that. We actually got a video of Eli doing it. I think we'll throw it in the show notes there for our <laughs> listeners to, to watch him. Cute oh, little no. guy up there praying. Uh, <laughs> but Pam, I want to go a little, I want to go a bit further back. Like, first of all, we're talking about harp and bowl, the harp and bowl model, getting the kids involved in that. But originally, like, we didn't start a house of prayer having these family intercession sets. Uh, what prompted you to want to do this? Like, how did that start? I think when I was at IHOP Kansas City, we had, we called it Malachi 4, 6, but it's about turning the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children, that verse. And so we took it as one of the expressions of that to be a family prayer room. And so every Tuesday morning, I think it was, we would be in there for two hours with children and family. And we had, um, it was all led by children. The worship teams were led by children. The praying was led by children. And so the whole, it was their own prayer room. It wasn't in the big global prayer room, but they, but they also had Samuel company, which they, the older ones would go in there. They would participate in the prayer room because they knew how to do it from the smaller like family prayer rooms. And so I think for me, that was one of the most impacting things that I led or helped lead in Kansas City, I saw them, you know, make it their own. It became their prayer room and their expression of harp and bowl and 
it got in their hearts and, and families could do it together, which is the whole point, right? It's not just about one person in your family going to the prayer room and coming home. It's about everyone having their part, young and old. And it's that expression of Acts 2 kind of, you know, that everyone would have a place in the prayer room. And so it became a way to model it to the children but also it, for it to become their own and it that was just really impacting for me when I was in Kansas City so coming here it was just another natural expression to have our whole house of prayer as a family or community participate together with and let the kids shine but also let them let it become theirs yeah I think IHOP tends to emphasize having the kids actually be part of the prayer room rather than just sending them off to be part of a kid's church, right? So the parents could be in the real service sort of thing. But why is it important for the kids to be introduced into the prayer room or the adult expression early on? Well, I think Eli is fruit of that and also your two other children and other families, you know, who in order for them to participate later, they have to see it modeled. Again, it's kind of the coaching for the football game. It's the coaching, you know, for later in life for them to hear God's voice and for them to know him intimately and for them to have Jesus as their friend and talk to him. And so I think, you know, the lasting impact is them having a relationship with Jesus because they learned it. Maybe they were copying it at the beginning, but now Eli and lots of other children have a relationship with him. I think it's important for them at a young age to know that they are part of the house of prayer and that they can not only become part of it later, you know, in ways that they can join it as they mature, but to be part of it as they are. And we believe that children are important and precious. And we believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. Just as he lives inside of us, he lives inside of them. It looks a little bit different because of maturity and understanding, but he can teach them all things just as he teaches us. I think what you're saying is really helpful in terms of the goal and the underpinnings because uh, different prayer expressions will have different needs in their community. And sometimes it might look like a kid's church or a Sunday school. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that format. It's just that the the goal underneath has to be, it's not that we're doing childcare for your kids while you're in the service. It's that, like you said, we're mentoring, we're coaching, we're raising up these children who have the same Holy Spirit, who have the same relationship with the Lord to then enter into what we're all experiencing. Like that's the the goal. The goal isn't to bring them aside and put them in childcare for the day or for the hour or for the time. It's to say, okay, they're in here right now, but this is this greenhouse. We're trying to grow them so that they can come and join as soon as they're ready. At least that's what it sounds like you're saying to me. Absolutely. And it's not even to put them on display and say, oh, look at them. They're cute and they're praying up there. Uh, But they're actually leading the meeting, praying with authority at the mic. And the adults aren't sitting back watching this thing happen. Like they are engaged in part of the process. What was the line that we'd we'd sing after they pray? We'd say, yes, Yes, Lord, Lord, do do it. it. And we'd all... The whole room would rise to that and it would be awesome. Eli, as as a kid being one of the people praying back then, how impactful was it to have the adults engaged in what you were praying for them to be able to respond to that? It was pretty significant because if you didn't have them, the adults encouraging them, you'd feel, oh, nobody listens. It, I just I spoke words into a microphone and now I'm going to go. But having those adults 
doing what they're doing, you know, encouraging. It felt like you had, you had power. You're, you were with the adults in the prayer room. You carried some authority yeah. in the prayer room just like they would, right? Sorry. My friend and comrade Lenny Lagardia, who I learned lots of this stuff from, he always said they're cute, but they're dangerous. <laughs> and, you know, they do have authority and they do have Holy Spirit living inside of them. So their prayers are powerful. And yes, they're cute. And so, and that's kind of one of the fun, engaging things. But one of the values of the house of prayer is enjoyable prayer right and so not just watching kids do it but joining our hearts with them and them to ours we get to do it together and it is fun and it is powerful and the lord does love it and it does count and that's the really cool part about it so this all sounds awesome we have kids up there praying with authority but there are still kids there's still challenges to get them to that point where they're going to be at the mic's Can you speak to some of the challenges? Like, let's say there's someone out there that wants to start this kind of thing in the church and get the kids really involved. What are some of the things they can expect to encounter, the challenges in in getting the kids engaged and being part of the larger group? Yeah, I think that you kind of said it. I think just getting them engaged and their hearts actually engaged instead of sometimes you feel like they're just reading it and you, and that can be a little bit of a hang up. Sometimes it was for me until I learned that again, you coach them and they don't have to get it all right away. And they can, they are engaged in their own way. And then like, again, at 14, they become more engaged and at 20, they become more engaged, you know, at least that's the hope, you know, and even adults aren't engaged all of the time. Like that would be great, but in a perfect world, you know, but, but we aren't either. And so I think that was, that can be a hang up or a challenge, but I think if you can remember, we're teaching them, we're coaching them, they're, they're where they are at in maturity and, and they're going to get it. Then you can do it. And it's kind of a, sometimes a bit rote, but as they grow and as they get older and more mature and they know the Lord better, it becomes part of them and it comes out of their heart. And I think another one was sometimes like Eli said, his confidence was lacking maybe, and they were shy and they're a little bit quiet and they're little, they, their words don't always come out clear, you know, but I think in that respect, that's where their cuteness wins. You know, the adults have more grace for it in lots of ways. Cause you know, they're two, three, four years old and they're like, come with power, but they can't say it. You know, I remember a little Eden Engbrecht, he would get up there and, you know, kind of fumble through his words but it was the cutest thing and it still had power right it was from this little two or three year old and he would do it every time like he meant it and and he did and so I think that's the power in it but it can it can be a little challenging especially for the person organizing it and leading it because you know you just want to sometimes look good and it goes well and all the things but those aren't really the important things it's that we're doing it we're learning it together we're doing it as a family and and it counts before the lord i think even some of the prayers were like i love you jesus sort of like totally. simple sometimes lines. they were just not even the same thing as we we're praying right <laughs> they're like okay well <laughs> but again you just go they all count they're little, you know, and they'll get it one day. <laughs> I mean, you did these once a month, so there probably was a lot of coaching on the other off weeks building up to that Sunday sort of thing, right? We did a lot of 
behind the scenes practicing apostolic prayers together and practicing how like kind of not a fake prayer room but like you know a smaller version of our prayer room just with the children and we would do it with little microphones and stands and they had their papers in front of them Eli probably remembers that part but yeah no there was a lot of practice time for sure I think there, there's probably there probably needs to be some coaching for the adults as well uh, when you're introducing something like this because they might think, oh, this is cute. We're going to let them run the prayer room sort of thing. If someone wanted to start this in their church, how would you coach the adults? What would you tell them before the kids would actually come up and, and do intercession? Because I remember you or our leader, our leader, Brian, mentioning a few things to keep in mind when the kids come up. Yeah, I think... It was either Brian, our director, or I would would start the meeting off, and we would just call people to, you know, intercession as just as if the regular prayer leader was on there, and like we do with the adults, and we just ask them to stand and engage their hearts and participate fully as if it was the same as an adult prayer meeting, because it is. It's the same thing. It's the same God, the same Jesus, same Holy Spirit. And so we would just call them into that. And I think one of the best things we actually did was that, yes, Lord, do it. It was so kind of funny and a bit awkward, but it stuck. Like even now, we'll jokingly say it, but we mean it. Like we're agreeing with the Lord. And all that was was at the end of the prayer, on one of the sections, we just asked all the adults to agree with the child who was praying out loud with this short phrase of, yes, Lord, do it. And we would all say it out loud in agreement to show them support, but also to show them that how to engage in a prayer meeting and how to engage their hearts in agreement before the Lord and ask him to really do something in our midst. Well, that was really important because it's not a show. It's not getting the kids up to have like, and because we did ha- sometimes have presentations like downstairs, we go downstairs and they had their prophetic artwork and they had, you know, like an art show where they would explain what they had done. And that's a thing that we did, but this wasn't that. This wasn't like, let's get the kids up and they can show us their cute little ability to pray. No, no, the adults are joining in. This is a real prayer meeting. We're asking for real things on the heart of the Lord. And I think that that phrase, like you said, let yes, Lord, do it. Having the adults engage their hearts and their wills and say, no, we, we want the Lord to do these things that the kids are leading us in prayer for was so key so that it didn't become a spectator event. Absolutely. And the singers would sing off the phrases that the children would pray and, and then everyone would sing the chorus and just, just the same as we would on a regular prayer meeting. We, the, the only thing we changed is the age of the people doing it for that Sunday. That was it. Although I think some of the choruses might've been pre-done now and again. Ah, now and again, they might've been also, yeah. They, e- yeah. Eli, looking back, or is there anything that sticks out to you that that you would say was impactful for you as a young person that encouraged you to want to be in the prayer room and be in the house of prayer in that season? Well, first off, just the adults' encouragement. After Even after saying, yes, Lord, do it, they'd like give you a pat on the back, you know, great job, and it was so encouraging. Yeah, another thing that would keep me in the prayer room was just the familiarity with the Holy Spirit. You know, beforehand we'd be down in the basement, we were practicing our prayers or we'd be doing, you know, our mini worship set with the others. And it was just, it helped us really get used to the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what keeps me even in the house of prayer today. And you even play guitar when you were like 10 years old and leading some songs yourself, weren't you? 
Eight years old. I didn't yeah. actually eight years eight years old. See, I I didn't even get to go down there because I was, I was stuck in the adult prayer meeting, and I hear these kids singing downstairs, and my son's leading worship and playing guitar, and I can't even see it. So, anyway, that's good. Yeah, that's that's a great. Answer. That's great, Holy oh, that's Spirit. Perfect. Yeah. If that's what keeps you coming back, I think uh, that's mission accomplished for the, the CEC program. <laughs> Isn't and isn't that the whole point of this that they would learn yeah. it so that it becomes their own and here he is now it's his and he knows Holy Spirit he knows Jesus's voice and he knows his Father who he can pray to and actually has more authority than some other adults who pray at the mics because he's actually up there consistently doing it that's awesome. So clearly we have a success here. We have a, like Eli, you've been through CEC and we really are thankful for the things that you learned and grew and developed. Uh, But I know that you still have things burning on your heart, Pam. What would you do different next time? You know, what kind of hopes and dreams do you have for the future CEC? Yeah, I think I really loved, again, in Kansas City, how the children were leading worship. And Eli did sometimes do that. And, and the children were just starting to to learn that as we were growing into it. And, and that I really loved. Actually, Johan's daughter, Caitlin, she would play keys sometimes. And they were just learning to sing the choruses and things like that. They're just getting old enough to do it. And so, and just getting confident enough to do it downstairs and so. So I think to me, having them do that as well would be really beneficial, even if it's, you know, a bit rough, you know, it's not perfected, but their, their hearts are engaged with the worship. Like a kid's worship band, having them and maybe even lead an adult prayer meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be amazing. I think some people listening to this actually, actually feel like some of them are starting to catch a vision to see this in their own community. Like they, they hear this and they're like, wow, I need to get kids involved in our main gatherings. I, like they need to be front and center interceding. So how would one start this? Like, where do they start it? They have this on their heart all of a sudden, even listening to this podcast, maybe there's something rising up in them right now. Or how would you recommend they, they get going? Well, I think in both cases, here and in Kansas City, I had the benefit of two directors who believed absolutely that kids could do this and were part of our family enough to let them try it and believed also that the Holy Spirit lives inside of them, not as a junior Holy Spirit, but as the same Holy Spirit living inside of you and me. So I think I had that benefit for sure and they were behind me and so that was really helpful. So I think just even talking to the leadership of your church but and hopefully they would be on board as well. But even doing it in, say, your Sunday school and starting there, I mean, the kids are great ambassadors of things they love. You, you know, as a parent, you know they come home and tell you what they like or what they don't. And so I think if you can keep it fun and exciting and they're doing it, they will naturally be the ones to, like, you know, tell other people about it and it will catch that way if you don't already have the support of people upstairs and they will just learn to pray anyway you know in the side room or the basement but I think you know the biggest thing is probably just doing it 
and trying it and and believing in them that they can do it and that they want to do it and that the Lord loves it, you know, and he wants to hear their voices and he moves at the sound of their voice. So it's not so much, I think, the model or how you're going to do it or even where in front of who, but the fact that you know that they need to have a living relationship with Jesus. And that's one of the ways that you can call them into it and just going for it. And when some of the restrictions come down, maybe a church wants to invite Pam to their church and do a workshop on how to start a scene. Maybe, I don't know. No, that would be good. (laughs) (laughs) Pam's a missionary, so if you want to invite her to your church and pay her to do so, that would be (laughs) a welcome thing for sure. So I think we're going to end the episode there. Some great insights there. Thank you, Eli, for joining us today. Yeah. And Pam, you are no longer a guest, so I don't have to thank you anymore, but it's always great to have you on here. I'll thank you anyway. But now it's time for... Our question today, now this is mostly for houses of prayer that do several hours. I mean, it could be for a burn 24-7. They do their 24-hour burns and stuff. How long should a set be? Like a worship or prayer sets is usually divided into sometimes it's two hours, sometimes it's half an hour, sometimes it's one hour. How long should a how how long should a set be? And why? <laughs> well, I f- it's I have kind of a weird answer, I guess, but I feel like the hour and a half mark is really good. But that's because I've sung on worship sets and led some worship sets and you get to the hour mark and it feels like the last 10 minutes is always like the best or something because you finally get there and then and then it's done. And if you had that extra maybe half hour tacked on the end, you would you could still find something really good and and take it a little bit further and it's still divisible into 24 if you want to do 24 7 right you betcha i would jump on that i know math (laughs) good math skills i would jump on that and say that for me some of my best encounters at the international house of prayer and in our own prayer room were when we pushed the set where it was like okay there's another five minutes and instead of doing the, the transition song and winding down we stayed on and we we went overtime. We went 10 minutes overtime, you know, five, even 15 minutes overtime. Those sets were so good. An intercession set where that chorus just had life on it or worship in the word where we went back in and we sung in the spirit and then we came back to an old chorus. Like those sets were so good. And so for me, I mean, I love schedules. I love, you know, you got to be somewhere at some time, but to have a little bit more time, either flexibility in the schedule to tell your worship leaders, Hey, go a little overtime sometimes, or like you said, maybe make each set an hour and 15, an hour and a half, because you're right. How many times have we been at the 55 minute mark and been like, Oh, it's finally arrived. <laughs> and now we have to stop. So many. So what about like 70 minutes or maybe you're a math guy. Maybe it's X plus 20 or X plus 15. You know, however long your set is just push it that extra 15 minutes. No, <laughs> you're tired. You don't. You can't do math right I now. Can't math right now. I, I have a different idea. So let's just say you're having a five-hour, you know, church session. Your entire prayer yeah. meeting is lasting five hours. Yeah, I find it like in the middle, right in the sweet middle spot. You're loving the you're loving the worship sessions. You're feeling it, but I feel like on the like last hour, it just starts getting a little draining. So I would make it 45 minutes for like the ending kind of sessions. But then I drag out the other ones in the middle. Interesting thoughts. 
because then you're getting more of the like really engaging stuff. But like at the end, of course you're going to enjoy it, but you're still going to be pretty tired because it's a full five hours. So if you start to have these variable lengths, the problem is that now you're picking winners and losers. So maybe I just don't like Johan that much. And so I stick him on that last 45 minute set every week. Whereas, you know, Pam, she, she's the one who's got the anointing. She gets the hour and a half sets. There's something to be said for having consistent sets because you don't pick winners and losers. What I would do is you rotations. It just you take turns on different sets because it's it's not usually the singers it's just timing if i'm like it's nine o'clock in the evening we're doing an hour-long set i'm gonna be a little tired at the end but like if it's you know four o'clock we're pushing the hour mark i kind of want to go for another half an hour there because it's you know i'm feeling it i really think it depends on how many people are on the stage musicianship you know if you're in a house like our marketplace prayer meeting in the morning it's like First, you do a little five-minute blurb to encourage everybody, maybe a bit of scripture sort of thing. And then I do, what, 15 minutes of worship? And then we go into, what, 20 minutes of prayer? Well, don't forget the core freaking oh, prayer. core freaking prayer. If you don't know what that is, got to listen to the rest of this season if you haven't heard that yet because we explain that a little bit. And if you're really concerned, email us. We'll let you know. But. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then we have some um, intercession time, but then we also have some personal prayer time. I mean, that hour-long set in the morning, it is jam-packed. It's brilliant. There is so much going on. But if you're in a large building, congregation type thing, and it's one person on stage, dragging out two hours with one or two people on stage can be a bit of a challenge because you you don't have the musicianship to lean on to go those longer lengths. Danica, you're on to give your opinion. Let's hear from you. What do you think? First of all, I was very shocked at how opinionated Eli is. I was like, whoa, oh, when this has gone from questions for the oval table to debates around the oval table. Um, I think like in talking about all this, like I get your point, Eli, like, yeah, in the evening, like, especially when I was like on the line, um, it was just really hard to push that extra five, 10 minutes. But all I can think about, it's like really just like to go with like, I don't know, like the prophetic wave or like, like what the room is like. Like if you have two people on stage, do not push for another two hours. Like let's do some common sense here, people. But like at the same time, like all I can think about is that like one line in like the Mulan Disney song, like let's get down to business <laughs> would be my opinion. Like no matter what the time is, like let's just one song just to kind of intro it, get right into the heart of the Lord. And if we have to outro it, like let's do that. But very much like the like, Let's just get to the sweet spot and let's stay there. And if it's really, really good, why should we leave? I'm very much team. Like, let's just stay and enjoy it and then see what happens. Well, as a worship leader, when I'm choosing songs and there's only me and maybe another person, you know, I got to sing those songs like in halftime to make it last twice as long. So that can get kind of tiring. I'd rather have, like, when there's two of us, 45 minutes is kind of a sweet spot. I think I'm doing a 45 minutes set this week, actually. We're kind of splitting it up that way. So I, I'm I excited about that. Mm -hmm. I have a, okay, more people, more time. Okay, we'll do some you sort of... More people, the more people you have on set, the more time you can have. There is no consensus at this table. So, so each person you add to the set, then it dynamically changes the schedule. So if somebody jumps on, suddenly the, the, the whole day is just thrown off. But you, <laughs> like, you're, you're just jumping on a set. Me. 
I'm going to jump on the set. Uh, I'd like to see that on a spreadsheet somewhere. If you can come up with that, we will share that yeah, with our well, listeners. Five people, you'll have like a solid extra 15 minutes than usual. You'll have I maybe think you two need people. to do some math here, Eli, just to see what we're doing. How Too many much people math. do we My have in the, prayer, like in the house of prayer that are musical? I'm just trying to think about this spreadsheet I'm going to make for our <laughs> patrons. <laughs> where it dynamically makes the perfect schedule based on the number of people you have. You My can, brain. You can probably good, sell that thing. Yeah, or, if I wasn't so tired. And it's the prayer movement, so... We have no money. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up. I think we need... No, okay, to our listeners, what is the perfect length for you? Maybe you're a worship leader. What what length do you think you should be on stage? Or if you're sitting in the room, what length do you want to be sitting in a set before you change over to a new worship leader? We want to know. Let us know on social media. You can find us at burningrooms.ca or Instagram and Facebook. You will find us. Just go to our website and the links are there. And you can join our Patreon if you want to see this ridiculous video version. Oh my, you're missing so much on this video version or you're not missing anything at all. Because, I mean, it is a podcast. Uh, in both. Yeah, but you know, you, the stuff that gets edited out of this podcast is just gold sometimes, you know? <laughs> Why does it get edited out then? That's the question. <laughs> For our patrons. <laughs> we keep the juicy nuggets. Yes. Anyway, that's the end of our episode today. Thank you. Until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Pam. I'm Eli. And this has been the Burning, Burning Rooms Podcast. Podcast.